Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Hey, welcome back to the pod. Welcome to 2019 Boss Man. Are you with me? Here we are. I thought we could do one completely selfish episode. What? If you're up for it, Ian. We've never done this before. I never have done an indulgent episode, so let's indulge. I actually wanted to do just a 2019 planning and goals podcast, which is sort of on the back of informal planning and goals call we just had. Well, now I'm starting to get anxious. I think it would be cool to lay out some of basically what is the main goal in our business at part of the journey that we're going to be taking listeners along in 2019. A little bit of, of course, we're going to highlight many stories of listeners on the show this year, but also hope to have a pretty good one ourselves. So we'll lay out that goal in today's episode. But first, I thought it would be cool to do a little bit of a personal and business recap. What do you say? You up for it? Again, I'm nervous. Yeah. <laughs> you just sprung this on me like 10 minutes ago. I did. Let's see how your podcast chops have evolved over the years, boss man. Let's take this as a test. Okay. Here we go. So here's my first question for you, Ian. What was your top personal highlight of 2018? Sometimes you can do so many cool things and then just forget about them. Get busy. You know, I think it's cool to step back and sort of take a look at what you really appreciated doing this past year. Yeah, I'm not kidding, Dan. We live like super fortunate lives. And the way I remind myself of this is I just scroll through my photos. Here's a month and a half with you in Barcelona. Here's me winning an endurance race in a car. Here is me snowboarding. Here is me taking a 14-day trip to Colorado on my dirt bike. Not possible back when you were a design corporate slave. Yeah. Here's my son turning three months old in January. So certainly a lot to be thankful and a lot happened this year, Dan, on a, on a personal level. So number one highlight. Number one highlight, you know, everybody always says they're kids, but my kid's not old enough to talk right now or to listen to this. So <laughs> I'm allowed to say whatever I want. I had an amazing trip riding my dirt bike through Colorado. I took on some interesting I'd say like personal challenges there, just with like the amount of riding that we were doing, the altitude that we were riding at. It was something that I'd been wanting to do for a long time. Ride my dirt bike out into uncharted territories and, and hope everything goes well. For me, my personal highlight of the year was similar. It was a self-constructed masochistic plan or adventure in August this year. I organized for my cycling club in Spain this challenge in the Pyrenees. And it was four days on the bike, three very challenging mountain stages, if you will, such that it was this interesting like meritocracy of cycling. I, I know you see this in many of your hobbies, Ian, certainly on the race course, that like you can't just pay your admission fee and rock up to this event. You have to bleed. You have to sacrifice and suffer in order to even be prepared to do such a thing. And there's a camaraderie that happens when you get 15 people together that have communally suffered. I'm talking my training volume for a few months leading up to this event. We're talking like 15-hour weeks. It was all realized in this kind of 
one of the most stunning backdrops I've ever seen in my entire life. Literally like roads that are so beautiful and moving. You, it wouldn't, wouldn't be beyond the pale to shed a tear for how just insanely beautiful some of these roads through the Pyrenees Mountains are, which is the mountain range that separates France and Spain and are sort of the heart and soul of the sport of road cycling globally, in part with a few other mountain ranges through Europe. So to be able to experience that with people that I've spent countless hours on the bike with and to organize it, this incredible challenge was a really profound experience. And the main thing I took away from that experience is I think most of those people that came on that trip, Ian, they wanted to connect with each other personally more. Being able to like go on an adventure together allowed us the time and the space to do that and to become friends in a way that we weren't quite before. And it was really rewarding because of that. So something I'd love to do again uh, this year, something definitely I'm already getting, I'm already getting emails about it. You know, those friendships have endured and have turned into travel partners and people, you know, visiting me here in Thailand, for example, to check out the amazing riding here. So that was definitely the personal highlight of the year for me was that four days in the Pyrenees. Let's talk about an adventure worth going on. Because one of the greatest adventures of my life was starting this business with you. And that was a true adventure that required travel to conferences, to overseas, to visit our staff. It had all this adventure and meaning baked right into it. And part of the reason I bring that up is we talk about these kind of, I did endurance races, I went to the mountains, I did this and stuff. If you're in the first three or four years of starting a new business, I would just forget about all that stuff. Like the adventure is the business itself. I'm pointing that out because call me the old man curmudgeon. I think people, they get into like the leisure element of this a little bit too soon. To me, like, that sacrifice is the best part. The challenge is the best part. And you know, my uh, encouragement to TMBA listeners that are working hard to grow a six, seven, eight-figure business is to ask, like, what kind of travel can you do this year? What kind of adventures can you go on that grow your business? One of the best ways to travel is for your business, even with your family. You know, let's go somewhere relevant. Let's meet people who are engaged and where there's stakes. Look, I'm all about stepping away from the laptop and getting perspective and things. But also, I see a lot of people who they get a little bit of location independence. All of a sudden, it's time to go spelunking or something, you know? <laughs> it's like, you know, if you want to do a deep dive, do it on the P&L. That's my 2019 encouragement to the listenership is that, you know, the grandest adventure you can have is growing this business. They're super fun. And ask yourself if there's more ways that your wanderlust and your desire to go on adventures can actually contribute to your business rather than be this sort of these two things that you need to balance. How can they come together and create something more powerful? All right, Ian, before we get on to the 2019 goal that we have set for ourselves here at TMBA, I thought it would be cool if I shared with you some business highlights of what happened in 2018 and get your reaction on them. Of course, none of this stuff happens without the business. The business is at the core of all of the spoils, so to speak. But there still just seems to be a little bit like, you know, you look at like the amazing jazz musician or the amazing basketball player, or the amazing entrepreneur who's featured on so-and-so's podcast. It's just so easy to like pull out the talent card still. And forget that 
all the shit that that person went through. Because then you hear about them on the thing and you go to their Instagram page and it's like highlight reel, highlight reel, highlight reel. And you just forget that like this person, if they're successful, they're probably a grinder. They've probably been grinding for years to build up the robust skill set. And if they're on a podcast like ours, they probably take the skill set of entrepreneurship very seriously. And that often doesn't come across when people are telling their cool story. Like, oh, you know, a few weeks ago we had Tommy Joyner on the show. I thought his story was really inspiring. He's like, you know, I moved to Medellin. I was on the couch. We sold a $7,000 product. We did this, we did that. And it sounds like bada bing, bada boom, here we are, here we're going. But the reality is, is like Tommy knows how to make sales on the telephone. And that's a skill that took him years to develop. Part of what this show's journey over the last 10 years has been about is trying to figure out what that skill set is. It's a practice at the core of this, and it's hard. It is hard, Dan, and it takes a lot of time. And I'm kind of thinking right now that, you know, the last couple of weeks, actually, on Twitter, there's been this argument. Actually, I think it started more than a couple of weeks ago with Justin Jackson basically saying to DHH of Basecamp, like, there's no way that you moonlit and built Basecamp. So moonlighting would be like working after your main job, right? Yeah. Like just kind of working on the side. Like, you know, DHH has a habit of, I guess, calling people out on Twitter, social media, and articles for overworking or working too hard. So this stuff, you know, you shouldn't be abandoning your family. You shouldn't be working 80 hours a week. You know, this stuff should just come as normal routine, kind of put in your 40 hours a week. And, you know, you end up like him, I guess, and you have a multi, multi, multi million dollar business. And a lot of people are stepping up and saying like, no, it takes a little bit more than that. Yeah, Justin Jackson uh, has been on our show and you should check out his blog and newsletter because he's become like the gadfly of the startup industry right now, which is a gadfly is someone who goes around and asks annoying questions, you know, <laughs> and he's doing it well. I don't necessarily agree with all the conclusions Justin has come to right now, but I think he's asking all the right sorts of questions. And so the idea is like, DHH is coming back and he's saying like, nah, this is just something that I did moonlighting. It just, you know, yeah, we worked hard. We're smart guys or whatever, but we never like overextended ourselves. And I think most of the startup community, most of the bootstrap community is saying like, hmm, I work pretty hard. I often put in 40 hours or more a week and I'm not a multi, multi million dollar company. So maybe I'm not as smart as these guys are. Maybe I'm not working on the right kinds of projects. But I think the conclusion that I'm kind of hearing from a lot of people is like, to do something exceptional, you kind of have to be exceptional or you have to do exceptional things. I don't have any reason to believe he's not telling the truth, but I do think that there's anomalies and I do think that there's different ways of doing things. So I'm not seeing, Dan, and I haven't seen for the last 10 years, anybody get lucky. I have seen very few people fall into money. I have seen very few people just work 40 hours a week and end up with a multi-million dollar business. It is not the norm. The norm, what I'm seeing, whether it's the right or the wrong way to do it, is people abandoning their hobbies, people upsetting loved ones, you know, people doing extreme things to have success. I think to DHH's point, it's like you need to have some balance in your life and you need to be not a crazy person. You need to not overextend yourself. Things like that, I think, are, are valid points on both sides, really. I mean, it's not a balanced thing to like enter a practice of entrepreneurship when you have no resources. I think if you've got a lot of money and like a very high-level skill set, then you can pick your battles and you can 
approach it more measured. But if you're broke and you don't have that skill set, other things are going to have to get moved aside to introduce that into your life or else you're just going to go broke. I mean, that's the bottom line. Or you're going to have to go back and get a job, in which case, you know, unless that job is directly in line with the business you're going to start, which is what it should be, actually. I mean, that's our suggestion is go get a job like that. Yep. Interesting conversations for 2019 for sure. Let's talk about what happened in 2018, some things that happened below the podcast, so to speak, behind the scenes. We helped place 50 remote workers in jobs, and those are just the ones that we can count thanks to the work that we're doing at dynamitejobs.co. So dynamitejobs.co is a place, Dan, where we started organizing remote working opportunities. Yeah, good ones. Yeah. Not shitty ones, which if you search around the web for remote working (laughs) opportunities, not on Dynamite Jobs, you might be disappointed by what you come across. What we started to do, Dan, back in 2018, last year, was uh, pull together resources and in order to be able to identify who these great companies are. A lot of them are DCers from the Dynamite Circle, our private community, and introduce them to people that want to work remotely, that have skill sets and the ability to do so. So we hired a full-time team member for that new business, which I think, you know, emotionally speaking, that's like back in the saddle again. That's like a big deal. I mean, we do have seven people on our team. But for a business that's been running since 2012, Ian, which is Dynamite Circle and all the associated events and things, and this podcast, whereas you know, bringing someone on full time to work on a non-revenue project was an exciting and so far rewarding move for us in 2018. Yeah. So Dan, we're going to talk here in a minute about what our goals are for 2019 in that business. But another thing that we did this year, which I think we can be pretty happy about, is we hosted an event in Bangkok, which we do every year in October. And more people came this year than have ever come before, Dan. I think about 350 people showed up. Yeah, I think it was actually more than that. But who's counting? Us. <laughs> We're counting. Likewise, our uh, event every April in Austin continues to become more popular. My prediction is in the next three to four years that the Austin event will be both more popular and better reviewed than the Bangkok event. I just have a spidey sense about it. I'm really looking forward to DC Austin. It's really, really, really fun and productive. Yep. Quick plug for that is going to be at the Sheraton this year, Dan, downtown, which I think is a very cool hotel. They've redone a lot of it. It was actually one of the the original downtown hotels in Austin, and they're up in their game for it to continue to be relevant. It's super cool, good location. And I'm having a party at my house, by the way. <laughs> so that's going to be cool. And we anticipate, I don't know, this year, maybe 150 people coming to that. At minimum. Also, Ian, our members, members of the DC, that is, hosted 14 events globally in cities as diverse as New York City, the Gold Coast in Australia. Barcelona, Tokyo, amongst many others. That's a really cool thing, a program that's continuing on in 2019. So, you know, we already have over 10 events on the schedule, including our core events. Probably by the end of the year, they'll end up being about 20 global events in cities that are relevant to entrepreneurs. So it's pretty, pretty cool. And these are called DCX events. And the idea here, Dan, is that these are member-hosted events. So our event in Bangkok and our event in Austin, our whole team gets involved. We throw big parties, main stage speakers, breakout sessions, masterminds, 
these events that are hosted in all these other smaller tertiary cities are hosted by DCers. And we help them obviously coordinate the event, find a location, bring people in, some people to speak. But generally speaking, these are smaller events. They're a little bit more intimate. Somewhere between 10 and 50 people, uh, you get the opportunity to really meet and dig in with everybody there. When you get to spend the whole weekend with 25 people, you really get to know these people and you get to know their business problems very intimately. And a lot of these people, they stay friends, business partners, associates for years. I went to a few DCX events last year and I've been going regularly, obviously, for the past few. And the sort of behind the scenes narrative about how community members you know, approach these things is you go to a few DCX events every year in part to like, you have an excuse to see a really amazing entrepreneurial city and community within that city. So, you know, hey, great chance to finally visit Lisbon, for example. But like what functionally happens is that you become friends with those people because of the nature of the event. Like you said, like you're hanging out socially for like long periods of time together. And so then by the time you fly to Bangkok or Austin, you show up and it's like you've got 35 of your closest friends there. And I think that that's part of what separates Dynamite Circle events from your average business conference is that they're freaking family reunions, right? And so that adds, I think, a really cool element to it. And that's sort of how the DCX events play into these main events that we host in Austin and Bangkok. It's kind of weird for me, Dan, to, to sit here and listen to you talk about it and to talk about it myself. We've been doing this since what, 2012, throwing these events? 2011, if you want to split hairs about it, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but these people that come to these events have gone on to grow amazing businesses that a lot of people listening to the show know about or use as a service or a product. It's just amazing to watch these people show up at an event in 2012 and now have 50 employees in uh, 2019. So I really can't think of a better place to meet people to help you on your journey of entrepreneurship. like We are a very lonely group still, and there's about 1,200 of us. But if you think about it in like the context of the world, there's it's very few of us right, that have reached out, self-identified, come together, figured out that we're going to try and do this together. It's still a very special thing that we do, I think, for ourselves and the community every year, Dan. Speaking of that community, 600 of our members joined or participated in a virtual online mastermind in 2018. So we're just pointing out that that's one of the core things we've done since day one inside the DC as we do matchmaking. There's a lot of different things that we're, we're doing inside the community on an ongoing basis. And that's why we have that team I was talking about of seven people year round. And when these events roll around, our team balloons to be able to do all the things that's required to host a successful event. We finished a book in 2018. Uh, I think we talked about that quite a bit on this pod uh, before the exit. Close to 50 five-star reviews on Amazon. The emails continue to come in. The conversation that that book is a part of is of one of growing importance in our community, which is biz by selling, mergers and acquisitions, and small internet businesses as assets and investment vehicles is an enormously important topic in 2019 as the little lifestyle, location-independent businesses are all of a sudden targets for acquisition and assets for retirement and things like this. And so this book has uh, really sort of entered us into that conversation. It's one we're going to be having here on the show in 2019 as we seek to make investments ourselves and to continue to watch, keep an eye on this space. Finally, Ian, I don't know if you've mentioned on the show, but uh, you've built a couple death traps in your backyard. <laughs> 
I'm working on it. I have here, you've managed to put a 500 plus horsepower engine into a 2000 pound car. That's right. What the hell were you thinking? We're doing some pretty interesting things over here at the shop. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, that's how I spend my free time. But uh, honestly, Dan, a lot of these projects are on hold now that we've been ramping up down in my jobs. Honestly, I mean, this is, it's interesting because we're talking about like the sacrifices that you need to make and things. I basically waited and wished and hoped and spent my way to what I'd call like my dream shop, right? Like I have all these tools, I have all this space. It's, it's quite an amazing place. And if I think back to uh, 2006, I had to give up the little tiny garage that I had in Pacific Beach. I remember. That at the time I'd worked really hard for to start our business together. It's interesting because I'm kind of finding myself back in that position. Like I'm like, okay, here it is. I have it. I can use it when I want to use it, but I'm finding myself in front of the laptop more than I am in front of these projects. So I think that's probably going to continue for me in 2019. I'm super excited to see what we can do with Dynamite Jobs and these cars can wait. Today's show is sponsored by DynamiteJobs.co. It's our newest baby and targets something we're passionate about here at the TMBA, helping your business succeed through growing amazing remote teams. And we know from personal experience just how hard it can be to find the right people. And that's why we've designed Dynamite Jobs to address that problem. So starting at as low as $200, we can help you find your next remote team member. And for $500, we'll handpick the best candidates using a pre-vetting process. We call it WiseMatch. And it's designed to save you days, even weeks of your time determining the top ranking candidates for the role that you need. And for those of you seeking remote jobs, I urge you to register with us. It's completely free. I promise you we're not just the next job board. We want to work actively with you to identify ideal positions for your skill set. So whether you're looking to hire great people or whether you're one of those great people who feels that your skills are wasted in your current company and you want more freedom and flexibility in your life, check out dynamitejobs.co today. All right. What was your top business insight from last year? I stopped updating and looking at my Instagram. Part of the reason was because I felt like I was taking photos for someone else and not just for me. I was recently in a New Orleans on a road trip over the holidays. And the joke that I made to my wife was, uh, how is anybody going to know we're here if we don't post it on Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> the point being, like, no one needs to know I'm here. We're doing this for, for us. This isn't for everybody else to experience and to congratulate us on. I recently read Cal Newport's new book on this. It's called Digital Minimalism. And we're going to be doing an interview with him on the show here in the coming weeks. He talked a lot about this, like how there's this joke going around that like the tobacco companies, they only wanted your lungs, but Facebook wants your soul. You know, it's this idea of like you get all the smartest, you know, engineers in Silicon Valley and you basically create a walled garden where it's designed to steal your just attention. And there's also this communal factor of social networks where it's like, okay, I'll like your Instagram. Now you like my Instagram. It changes the bar for the level of content that's there. And this is one of the things I honestly think a trend in 2019. And of course, it's easy to like project trends because this is something that I find important. But like, I'm sick of all the content going to the walled gardens. I miss the open internet. I miss the old school blogosphere. I mean, in 2018, we toyed around with starting a startup that ranked blogs. Because here's the reality, like 
and Cal Newport really, he had a, a great piece on this recently. We'll link up to it. He essentially said, look, like when you're earning an audience, when you're developing content that demands that people view it and think about it, that's a whole other level than like, hey, you like me, I like you kind of thing. It creates more energy and more creativity. And so that's why like, I go to Feedly every morning when I wake up because I want to be educated about our industry by people who are putting effort into it. Not just a bunch of people seeking attention. I think Instagram for me is like very representative of external sources sucking resources away from your focus. The next thing that I need to like check off my list, Dan, is like stop reading news daily. It's just like watch the news like Friday evening, read the highlights Friday evening and like get a good sense for like what's going on in the world. Like there's no reason to check Reddit or the New York Times or any of this stuff once a day, let alone multiple times a day. What I'm finding is for me personally, it's just it's just sucking away my creative energy thinking about a lot of these problems that I can't control. I think a lot of people are probably stuck in this loop too. And a lot of people are probably in a lot deeper than I am. They might have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, New York Times, all these things pulling their attention away from being creative. I think, Dan, in 2019 and probably in the future, it's going to be punk rock. And I like using that term lately, but it's going to be more punk rock not to pay attention to these things than it is to pay attention to them. I think that this that this whole cycle that the media has created, that these social media platforms have created, are designed to take your attention away from the things that are important. And so I think it's up to us to really take back control of our lives and see if we can live out of our eyes and not through a screen. You know, I'm becoming more interested with the screen as a tool, Dan, to start a business, to make money, to help other people, unless as like an entertainment area and one place to kind of suck away my energy. I'm sure other people have already caught on to this, but I'm just starting to get on that train and I'm starting to realize how much time I'm wasting on these external sources. 100% agree with that. For me, Ian, it was, we talk about coming to the table all the time. That table is the table at the core of your business, the one where decisions get made. And I realized like in 2018, as we moved a little bit more from a maintenance sort of automation mindset to a growth risk-taking mindset, that the people around that table needed to change, that they weren't all going to be the same people. If what your goal is to have a bit of a seal between you and the business, to quote, automate, get out of it, the personalities and the skill sets and the people are going to be different than if you're doing the exact opposite, which is when you're in the mix. And I had a vision in 2018 when we were at DCBKK and we were around the conference table as we often are at that event. And the level of discourse and the quality of conversation about what I felt like were really important things we were doing in our business was so high. And I just thought, why isn't this every day in our business? Why isn't this every single day? That was sort of a resolution I had in my mind that it's a vision that I want us to work towards is I want it to be every day. The reality is that's what the business needs to be successful as well. So I'm looking forward to improving that table offering everyone around it more opportunities to stick around longer and to do deeper work with us. That's my top business insight from uh, 2018. It's nothing exciting. It's more bricks and mortar blocking and tackling. You know, it's like Key and Graham said on the show, he's like, look, like, what's going to separate you from all your competition? Is it going to be like the design of your website? Is it going to be the rank of your website? Well, okay. 
Like that's one strategy, but for nine out of 10 businesses, it's probably going to be the people sitting around that table. All right, boss man, we are going to lay out our goal for 2019 part of the story we're going to be telling here at the pod. One of the interesting things about our goal is it's really hard to come up with a statistic or a key progress indicator or a data point in your business that can actually organize the whole business effectively. So if you say something like, hey, our organizing principle is we want to make $1 million in sales next year. The problem with that organizing principle is unless you have like really clear product match fit and like how you're going to sell it, you can have people compromise other elements of the business in order to get to that one goal. And so these things can be tricky, but I think we've stumbled onto something that's going to work, that's been working for us in 2018 and that can work in 2019. And for us, that's this statistic or this KPI we're calling placements. And a placement is when a remote worker who's qualified gets hired by a company and stays in that job. I want to step back from this goal though, Dan, just for a minute here. We're talking specifically about dynamitejobs.co. I think a lot of people tuning into the show have heard many different versions of things that we've been working on. You know, If you're listening a couple of years ago, we had a product design and manufacturing company. The one thing that stayed consistent through all that is the Tropical MBA. We essentially turned on the microphone several years ago, started talking about that product manufacturing business. Then we talked about how we sold it. Throughout this time, we've also talked about the Dynamite Circle, which is the community of entrepreneurs. And now we're starting to talk a little bit more about dynamitejobs.co. So for some people, it might be confusing if you're just tuning in to understand like how this thread kind of weaves itself through. But here's how it works. One of the things that we've advocated through this show since the beginning is freedom, freedom to live the life that you want to live. And the way that we advocated doing that is through entrepreneurship. But entrepreneurship is not necessarily the fastest path to that, right, Dan? It takes a long time to start a business and start earning money and to become location independent and have all that freedom. And so one of the things that we insist people do is go work for entrepreneurs that are doing things and who are the people that they want to be in the future. One of the ways that we've figured out that we can kind of help both sides, DCers and companies who offer location-independent jobs, and then also the people that want to become either location-independent or entrepreneurs eventually, is to help them hire these types of people. So since we started our business way back when, we have always hired location-independent contractors and employees because we were always searching for the best people. It didn't necessarily matter where they lived. And in some cases, it gave us a cost advantage in the beginning, especially when we we're working with uh, SEO and, and paid traffic. Now, it's, it's starting to become the case that for a lot of companies, they just do not require that people are in an office all day. And so we see an opportunity, basically, to help the companies and to also help the people. And so that's the reason, essentially, why we've, we've started DynamiteJobs.co is because we think that we understand both sides of the market and because we think that there's a, a real problem to be solved here. So I just want to say that, Dan, because I think it can be maybe a little bit confusing to people listening to the show, understanding where they fit into that and where we fit into that and what our history has been. But that's kind of 
the two-minute quick wrap-up. It also addresses one of the, I think, the biggest critique the Tropical MBA has consistently received over the past five years, which is, great, guys. The DC is basically for people that are already successful location-independent entrepreneurs. What the heck are you guys doing for us? All the people that are on the first part of their journey, you left us behind. Now you're talking about how to hire staff and how to go to these events that you have to have all this money to go to. What about the rest of us? And so if you look at a business, remember when we used to do the Tropical MBA seminars, this is way back in the day, we used to have this slide deck that would describe any business. And it opened up like this, which is what problem do you solve and what is the unique way in which you solve it? That's fundamentally what a business is. And then you can say, you know, the price is basically. But in our case, the problem the Tropical MBA always solved was how can I get more freedom and flexibility in my life? All right. It wasn't like, hey, entrepreneurship is the greatest or whatever. It was like, nope, how do we get more personal freedom and financial flexibility in our life? And the way we always solved that problem was, you know what you should do? You should do this really hard thing with your life that a lot of people fail at. That's the solution, right? <laughs> and then we tried to make it better by all the episodes, by like reading all the books and figuring out how to do that. Now, all of a sudden, that this has become a robust community with new opportunities, we can go back to that original problem. How do I get more freedom and flexibility in my life and say, you can actually do that by getting a remote job or building a remote career, which is something that's available to a lot more people. And that to me is what's super exciting about Dynamite Jobs is that all of a sudden we have a product, we have a service that has growth potential that can help a lot more people than what we had previously been doing through you know entrepreneurial events and things like that. All of a sudden we have a product that helps more people. And I think in a profound way as well is it's not a matter of just putting these jobs up on a website and uh, saying, good luck, everybody. It's not like that. It's not like that at all. I mean, we got to figure out what a qualified candidate is. We're ranking candidates. We have this enormous database. We're doing hand matching and everything. There's a lot of intelligence that goes into what the right candidate is for the right company. And there's a lot of issues of culture, skill set. You know, how do you determine people's competence if you can't rely on a university degree, for example? I mean, it might look like a job board right now, but behind the scenes, it's, it's a matchmaking service, really. One might even say recruiting. One might even say recruiting. Back to the original goal, why are we talking about all this is that the sort of organizing principle is placements, is that that is an indicator of the health and the scale of the business. You mentioned we did 50 in 2018. So the goal of 2019 is by midsummer to be averaging two placements a working day. And for those of you keeping score at home, there are 261 working days, give or take, in 2019. And so we're looking to build systems and habits and a team that can sustain two people every single working day getting placed in remote companies within a few short months. That's the goal for 2019. That's the, the story we'll be telling here at the pod. I mean, we could make goals that are like revenue or profit focused, but it's still not exactly clear what the price points for all these things are going to be. And my sense is that if we're making about two placements a day, Ian, we'll be at a at least cash flow neutral position, which would be good because you know this would be about the year and a half closing on on a two-year point for the site. So to get to a cash flow neutral position, 
And of course, we could always up our spending if we feel like there's growth opportunity, but I at least think from a revenue cost perspective, things would even out about the summertime. Sure. And yeah, where we're at right now, Dan, is we are calling. We're actually physically calling all the candidates that make it to the final round before they are suggested to these companies. And so right now, it's a very intensive process and it's a very manual process. And we're hoping to have a lot of these systems automated if we figure out that it's a valuable service. I think that that's what we're going to find out here in the next couple of months, Dan. Is this something that's extremely valuable to people? Is this something that's helping people and changing lives and businesses? And if it is, I think we might have something on our hands. So yeah, that's the story, boss man. Will this be a colossal disaster, a lack of focus, and an enormous money pit? Or will it look a little something like the future of hiring and how listeners of this show both build their careers and build their teams? The jury's out. But uh, so far, the, the early returns look pretty good. So yeah, tune in the following weeks to see how that goes. Of course, not much here at the TMBA is going to change. Sticking with 52 episodes in 2019 designed to help you grow a better location-independent business. We appreciate you listening. Also, do check out the blog over at tropicalmba.com. Got a bunch of goodies up there and uh, many articles coming down the pike as well for you in 2019. That's it. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining me, boss man. We will be back as always next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning. 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.